Stay connected with the Desert Cities on the John McMullen Show on Radio 111. Here's John. So we kind of set the stage a little earlier in the program today for this conversation. We're pleased to have back with us a friend of the program and the investigative writer who also covers a lot of crime at the Desert Sun. Christopher Damien is on the Radio 111 live line with us right now. Christopher, good afternoon. And man, I remember when you and I first started talking back in, I think it was late April, about this crazy case that involved a incident with a bounty hunter who wasn't really supposed to be a bounty hunter and who broke into a guy's place with his mom and tried to apprehend him. And the next thing we know... Uh, is right after the police have arrived, the guy is dead at the hands of the bounty hunter. Now it turns out that we found out that the bounty hunter, or the the uh, bail agent uh, as such, that he was not licensed to do it, and not only that, but he was a uh, at least a double convicted felon, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and thanks for having me on. Um, it has been a minute here and uh, always happy to talk. Um, yeah. So we have been tracking this for a while. Like you said, back in April, um, uh, Palm Springs resident David Spann was shot and killed in his home uh, by one bounty hunter. A second was uh, present with him at the time, his mother. So the man charged with the killing is Fabian Herrera. His mother, Lisa Vargas, is also charged with uh, Mr. Spann's killing. And um, this one caught attention pretty quickly, not only because, you know, it was a it was a person killed in their condo here in Palm Springs, but because it happened in front of two police officers. And yes, just like you said, this person was not supposed to be doing this job. There's some really confusing technicalities on who can and can't, you know, apprehend a person on a bail bond. Um, I've been reporting on this for since it happened in April. And I got to tell you, even though I'm doing this research, you know, if I have plenty of time to do this research over the last month, several months, I still get confused by these rules. But the point is, is uh, Mr. Herrera was not a licensed bail agent. So he had no license to act as a bail agent. However, um, he could act as a bounty hunter, but he had, he had two felony convictions. So that then ends up, you know, sort of, well, not sort of absolutely disqualifying uh, him from being able to make an arrest. Um, so it's this, it's it's an interesting kind of loophole in the system that can I can I ask you can you, actually did, did, yeah is, go, ahead, go is, ahead is that why he took his mommy with him? No clue why the mother was there. She has been a complete mystery in this case, other than the fact that we know that she was um, she has been charged with perjury because she bought him the gun he used in the killing. He couldn't buy himself a gun, obviously. He's a twice-convicted felon. He can't even hold a gun. So, um, and his, she his knew that. And bought him the gun. And she, she knew that. Yeah, in fact, in the yeah, in testimony, I'm sorry, evidence. Yeah, it was during testimony. One of the uh, investigators presented evidence that she had been texting him that she could get into big trouble for buying him a gun and so on and so forth. So, yeah, they knew that. But no one know. Well, I should just say the public does not yet know why she was at the scene with him that night. I mean, the video footage I've seen shows her acting as kind of like a, you know, like a wingman partner type, like also with a gun decked out in kind of military cop gear. 
uh, running around outside his house and inside the uh, the home around the time he was shot. And one so, of the things I mentioned to the audience also before we brought you on, Christopher, was that they had a very unique way of uh, introducing themselves at the door. They used a sledgehammer yeah. and they broke down the door and there was no announcement, as I understand, that that uh, m- would have warned Mr. Spann that, that they were there to apprehend him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so this is a, a, a very important point for a variety of reasons. Not only um, did uh, her... Well, so we have uh, security camera footage. This would be like a security camera on his on Mr. Spence's doorbell. So it would have been like a you know like a popular Amazon Ring device or something like that. Um, and it shows Herrera. I mean, essentially, just run up to his front door with a gun in hand, Vargas behind him, you know, sort of behind a bush, and just immediately try to kick his door in. Um, there's audio in the video, so you you would have been able to hear him if he had made any attempt to announce himself or or call for entry, but he didn't. So he kicks the door several times, uh, doesn't effectively kick it in. And then from what we know from testimony, he went back to the trunk of his car, got a sledgehammer and smashed the door in. Now, this is important for a number of reasons. First is Span calls the police when this is happening, saying someone's trying to break into his home. So he thought someone was trying to break into his home because someone was trying to break into his home with a sledgehammer. That's what happened, right? But the other piece of this is... It, according to California law, if a police officer had showed up to try to to arrest Mr. Spann, they couldn't do it for a misdemeanor unless it's between certain hours of the day. And it was way later than that. I think it's 10 p.m. is the cutoff or something like that. This was at like all at like two in the morning. Um, and then not only that, but the only way an officer could force entry into that home is if they announced themselves and they were under the impression or had some belief that a felony was occurring, you know? So say Mr. Spam was trying to shoot someone in his house, the cops could come to the door. It's the cops break the door down and run in and do what they got to do. Um, this guy was not a cop. He wasn't a licensed bail agent. Um, and he just runs up to his door and smashes it in with a sledgehammer that the, I've, I've had legal experts tell me when they've been presented with this information that the police could not have done what Mr. Herrera did that night. They just don't even have the legal privileges to do that, even as sworn officers. And then Rhett Arden and Emmy Kramer, police officers with the Palm Springs PD, they show up at which at what point in this? Right in the middle of it, to be honest. So from what we know, uh, Herrera called the police department, which is a regular practice among bounty hunters who are going to who are who are going to try to arrest someone. Um, however, the department told us they rarely get these kinds of calls saying this doesn't o- often happen um, in the city of Palm Springs, but a more populous city, I'm, I'm assuming this might happen more frequently. So the bounty hunter calls the department to tell them, hey, I'm going to go try to arrest someone at this address. You know, I'll tell you how it goes. So he so the department knew he was headed to this address. It doesn't seem like they did much, you know, backgrounding or research on him. Um, otherwise, they might have found out some interesting and probably uh you know, uh, concerning information about him, but you know, they just let him do his thing from what we understand. Then we get these calls, we get, you know, Amazon ring saying that the panic alarm went off. We get span calling saying someone's breaking. It was home. Um, there's a communication between Herrera and one of the, the, I think it was the maybe watch commander that night. Um, you know, just asking what's going on. And, and by this point, the confrontation between span and Herrera is just, just in full, full, you know, it's basically chaos. Like, 
Span has a knife on his second floor trying to defend himself in his home. Herrera is saying he has a warrant for his arrest. Span doesn't believe him. So that is when the officers show up, you know, and in the body camera footage we got released from the court last week, um, you can see it in pretty graphic detail. It's a pretty horrific clip. I don't, you know, want to warn people if they're looking to watch it that, you know, it is a clip of a person being killed. Um, However, what happens right before that shooting is uh, pretty concerning. And yeah, they, they walked into a pretty chaotic situation to answer your question directly. As I recall early on in your reporting, you also had told us that there was the police supposedly telling the supposed bounty hunter that he should shoot Mr. Spann, right? Right. And so this is a, this will, this has been argued at length in the hearings we've already, you know, been to, and it will continue to be until this trial's over. Like trial hasn't started, but when it does, you know, like this will be something that they repeatedly come back to. So, so we found, um, we actually had the defense attorney initially tell us that it was his, you know, belief and it was going to be the foundation of the defense's case that, um, that Herrera was told to shoot, um, that there was a chaotic scene unfolding. The officer said, shoot, and he shot. Um, we now have the body camera footage, like I said. Um, people can watch for themselves if they wish. Um, and what you see in it, you know, is, right, so you get the two officers coming in the front door. It's smashed to splinters. They're stepping through a door that's been smashed by a sledgehammer. You can see the sledgehammer. Um, and they basically make an abrupt left once they walk in that front door of the condo. And Herrera's on the stairs. He's got his gun drawn. He's got his badge on got his flak vest all looking like a deputy or some other sort of military-looking law enforcement official. Um, And they basically just merge sort of efforts at that point. You have the cops coming up the stairs. They're sort of behind Herrera. Herrera is sort of in a position of sort of control, sort of, and spans back in a bathroom in his boxer shorts, yelling at everybody to get out of his house. Um, Span has a knife. He's saying things like the real police are on their way. Can anybody help me get out of my house? That's when the police officer red art and starts, you know, telling him you need to drop the knife and put the knife down, that kind of thing over and over and over again. Does he identify um, that he's from Palm Springs PD? You know, he does not in the footage say Palm Springs police. I think he might've said something to that effect when he is at the front door, but there's no, we don't know if Span heard him. Span's all, all the way up on the second floor. However, he walks in, and um, Span does say the real police are on the way. And uh, Arden responds, we are the police. And then you hear Span in the background. There's a lot of crosstalk, like several people are talking at the same time. You can hear Span say, oh, you're so convincing, something like that. But isn't uh, he upstairs? Maybe not- he doesn't. Is he not upstairs at this point and not able to see them and be able to see the difference between the fact that they'd be wearing PSPD uniforms versus the right. paramilitary gear that, that Mr. Herrera was wearing? Good question. And, yeah, he could have seen, perhaps he could see from his perspective, but you can, you know, that, that body camera perspective that you have from Officer Arden is um, pretty interesting. You know, the other officers just, basically down the stairs. There's no way Span could have seen the other, the second officer. But Arden, yeah, you know, he's sort of peeking around a corner. So, like, it's hard to say, I don't know. And we, we, we don't know, you know, if, if Span knew that they were 
Palm Springs police if they saw that different color uniform or what. I, I there's no, can, they haven't touched on that. I hate to do this, but can we back up for a minute and identify sure. what the alleged crime was that was committed? Because it turned out from right. your reporting, as I've read it, there was no warrant for his arrest, meaning that he That's was right. not in violation of his bail grant by the court. What was the problem, and why was the bail agent sent to his address to begin with? Right, right. No, this is a very important fact in the whole story for sure. So Mr. Spann had been arrested earlier in April uh, for an alleged restraining order violation. We don't know really anything about that allegation because the case had hardly even been filed. In fact, I'm pretty sure at the time he was shot, it hadn't even um technically been filed i found a record of it at the court but it's hard it's hard for me to to tell exactly when that was filed but in any case he had a misdemeanor uh, allegation against him he bailed out of jail on a misdemeanor bond um that was those are the only criminal charges he was facing in the county uh judge did not forfeit his bail an arrest warrant was not issued for his arrest the reason herrera was sent to arrest span that night was because Justice Bail Bonds, the bail bond agency out of Temecula that had Mr. Spann's bond, said he violated their agreement. Just clarifying that Mr. Spann was facing one misdemeanor charge and had been released on bail, and the reason Herrera was sent to arrest him, apparently, is that he had a GPS sort of, you know, ankle bracelet location device he was supposed to be wearing, and um, I think it was maybe incapacitated or ran out of battery. We're not quite sure. There hasn't been a straight answer on that, but the allegation was the, the bail bond agency said, go arrest him because his GPS device isn't working. So long story short, Herrera was sent there to arrest him for, for allegedly violating a private contract, right? A contract Mr. Spann had with the bail agency. There was no warrant for his arrest from a, from a court. A judge hadn't ordered it, nothing like that. Yeah, but when um, you're facing somebody who's staring at you with the wrong end of uh, uh, a firearm, yeah, uh, it seems to me like, there should be laws in place that mm-hmm. govern how that can be used. Palm Springs PD isn't innocent in this as far as I'm concerned. What I'd like to know is why did their officers not try and de-escalate the situation first and get everybody back to their corners, figure out what was going on, and then actually uh, be as inclined at that moment to put Mr. Herrera in handcuffs because he's not uh, able to own a firearm as well as uh, potentially uh, Mr. Spann if he did in fact break a law, which it doesn't sound like he did. And these questions, you know, are ones that I know will be asked of the police department when, when we all get that opportunity to do so. So far, the two officers involved in the shooting didn't testify during the court hearing. That's because they're currently being investigated uh, for their culpability in this shooting and didn't, for whatever reason, you know, they made that decision with their attorney or something like that to yeah. not testify. Who's investigating them? The same person who's investigating Mr. Herrera. So it's a detective from the Riverside County Sheriff's Department who, who testified um, during oh, the last brother. hearing. His name's Jared Bishop. Yeah, so why isn't it same uh, person who's investigating Herrera, investigating the police? Why isn't it somebody from the? I mean, considering the issues that we have with the sheriff and so on, why is this not being investigated by somebody from the state? Uh, Span's family is asking the same question. Um, they've actually filed complaints with the Office of Attorney General, with the Department of Insurance that oversees the bail industry, 
for them all to look into this. I had an email exchange with the Office of the Attorney General as soon as it was uh, last Friday, I think we were exchanging emails. They were telling me they can't confirm or say yes or no about whether or not they're investigating this. I pushed them harder on it, saying, you know, this is an important case. The public's concerned about it, and we need to have answers. They declined to comment. So um, I'm going to be reporting moving forward at the state level, because I agree with you there that, um, you know, there's more that needs to be done, you know, about about the bail industry, about who's working on as bounty hunters. No background checks done, apparently, by this whoever was employing Mr. Herrera. It's sort of a twist and turn of different agencies that were getting him to do these bounty hunter jobs for for them. But um, long story short, we're not sure. And we don't know why the Office of Attorney General hasn't made any kind of statement, especially after we released the body camera footage and showed some pretty concerning stuff there. Yeah. And, and where does the family stand in all of this right now? Are they pursuing some sort of a civil litigation? They haven't said about the civil aspect of it. They're definitely pursuing, you know, Span's father and his brother have both been pretty clear with me that they think Palm Springs PD is uh, basically complicit in their son's murder. Um, Just like you asked, they think that the cops should have come in there, removed Herrera, removed Vargas, and dealt with Span individually. They had a person with a knife on a second floor, basically in his bathroom. Um, The Span family would say, you know, hey, you should have just taken the, you know, the two intruders out of that house who broke into that house and dealt with that, dealt with them separately. And that's not what ended up happening. Um, when that word shoot is said by the officer, we can't get in his head. And until he testifies, we don't really know what he meant by that, but what's clear, you know, Herrera believes he was being ordered to shoot on by a police officer. Um, and that's what we're going to hear throughout the trial. I'm sure. I'll tell you what, I'm getting tired of us paying top dollar for the lowest rung of law enforcement officers in these local police departments. I looked it up, and you can see salaries as recently as 2019 for Palm Springs, and these two officers between them, their total compensation came to a quarter of a million dollars. I expect higher conduct as law enforcement professionals when we're compensating them that much money, and they should not be Keystone cops. But I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Tell me, when will this probably go to trial? It's hard to tell. I mean, you know, there's a lot that still needs to be done with his uh, co-defendant, the mother, Vargas. She hasn't even appeared, you know, in court for a hearing like this. So she'll probably be next up, maybe next month or the month after. I mean, I guess that this won't go to trial this year. It'll probably be early next year, but um, that could change. Always, Always a kind of a guessing game with the court system. Well, what isn't a guessing game is the fact that uh, we'll be getting back together with you as this story continues to unfold. Thank you, and we can read more about it in the pages of The Desert Sun. Christopher Damien, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. You're listening to The John McMullen Show.